I'm Cassie Hilbron, and this is the Cook It Real Good podcast, bringing you shortcuts to success in the kitchen. On today's episode, I speak with Beth Monsell from Budget Bites about all things cooking on a budget. Whether you're actively trying to cut down your weekly food budget or just want to be more mindful of what you're purchasing, you are going to get so much out of this. This episode is sponsored by my website, cookitrealgood.com. If you haven't had a chance to check it out yet, it's filled with quick, easy and healthy recipes with a little indulgence sprinkled in between for good measure. You can also find all the show notes for today's episode there. Simply head to cookitrealgood.com slash one. For the past 10 years, Beth Monsell has been dishing out healthy, inexpensive recipes and teaching kitchen basics through her popular blog, Budget Bites. The corresponding cookbook, Budget Bites, over 100 easy, delicious recipes to slash your grocery bill in half, and the Budget Bites mobile app. She loves getting creative in the kitchen and hopes to show others just how fun and rewarding cooking can be. Beth and I chat about smart ways to save money on your weekly shop, how to meal plan to make the most out of your food budget, and how to freeze foods to save money and reduce waste. Let's dive in. Hi, Beth. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so happy to have you on today. And I think that this topic of cooking on a budget is going to be a winner with lots of our listeners. Before we get started, (laughs) can you let us know what your last cooking fail was? Yeah, I mean, I have cooking fails just about every day because I'm constantly testing recipes, you know, but um, my last cooking fail would probably be um, I was trying to make a lentil veggie burger last week. And I, I tried this probably like four or five times within the week. And every time it just looked like a pile of dog food. It was, <laughs> it was just so terrible. I couldn't get them to stay together because I was trying to avoid flour, you know, for all the people who are gluten free and trying all these different binders. And every time I put it in the pan, it would just fall apart. It looks so gross. So <laughs> I think I've given up on that one for a while. I might come back to it later, but <laughs> for now uh, it's a fail. <laughs> yes. Yes. I've had a few of those where no matter how many times you make it, it just doesn't work out. It's kind of like our kryptonite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm going to keep it my eyes for when you do master it though. Okay. <laughs> so I've always loved your blog um, and I've always been especially fascinated by the way that you break down the costing of every recipe. This kind of blows my mind. Hey. Um, I think it's so helpful to visualize as often like when I'm doing my shopping for a recipe, especially one that I might not have made before, as I'm getting all the ingredients, I'm thinking to myself, this is going to be a really expensive dish, but realistically, you're not going to use the whole bottle of soy sauce or hoisin or sometimes even a whole package of meat. And so it's kind of interesting to break it down and think, well, what's the cost per serve here? Right. And I think it's, you know, no one's going to have the exact same price breakdown that I have, obviously, because prices vary so much from region to region, even store to store and day to day. But it's really helpful to see those ratios of the prices of each ingredient so that you recognize what types of ingredients are really going to drive up the cost of your recipe and which ones are going to help keep it low. So it's really just a, for example purposes, but um, I always encourage people to try doing a price breakdown at least once on their own, just 
just so they can kind of see how it works and it can be really eye-opening. I love that. And you're right. There are some uh, ingredients that are very expensive and I have bought a few where I've spent like eight dollars on something and only ever used it once and then it sat in the back of the cupboard (laughs) yeah yeah no my rule of thumb is if I am going to spend a little bit more on an ingredient I have to a either be able to save the rest somehow whether it be freezing or if it's like a dry ingredient that's you know pantry stable or I have to dedicate myself to finding a use for the rest of that ingredient because I do not like to waste food. I love that. And now this might also be a hazard of being a food blogger, but I have a feeling that other people will relate to it. But I find myself at the grocery shop buying bits and pieces all week long. Like I'll get home and I'm like, oh, I've forgotten something else. And so I'll be going back and all of these add up. Like I never seem to leave the grocery store without spending Mm -hmm. at least like $40. So yeah, (laughs) this topic is really interesting for me because I definitely want to be more money conscious. Um, you know, even even if the word budget scares you, <laughs> it doesn't have to be like that. And I think we can all try and learn ways that we can cut down on our weekly grocery bills. So I'm really excited to kick this off. So if we're going to focus on some small habits that we can implement to cook on a budget, I thought we'd first start with what are some of the tips that you have on how to meal plan better to make the most out of your food budget? Um, I think it's important to start small um, because when people get really excited, they're like, yeah, I'm going to meal plan and I'm going to do all this stuff. And then they try to do it all at once and then they fail and get overwhelmed and then they don't try again. So I always tell people to start with one recipe per week, you know, just pick out something new that you want to try to make that week and see how that goes. And once you get comfortable planning out one meal per week, you can add a second meal, a third meal, a fourth meal and go from there. Um, And planning really is the key. If you don't have a plan of action, you're going to end up at the store six times, like you said, buying a little bit of this and that. Uh So, you know, and it really only takes, you know, 15 minutes to plan what recipes you want to make for the week and then go to the recipes, write down the ingredients real quick. and, And that's all it takes. And it's hard to kind of get in the habit of doing that. But the more you practice it, the easier it gets. And the more you kind of get to know yourself and what works for you, because it really is a very personal experience. What works for me might not work for you. So it's something you do have to learn as you go along, but start small, work your way up and you'll be a pro in no time. I really like your tip there about starting small because I think we all can relate to, okay, I'm going to do a meal plan. I'm going to eat healthy this week. I'm going to make all my lunches for work. And then by Tuesday, it's like, uh, I need to go to McDonald's now. <laughs> I don't yeah, have it. And you know, pay close attention to what your weekly schedule is like. Like, find places in your schedule where you know you're going to have the time and the energy to actually prepare your meals and pick out a reasonable number of recipes to work within that time that you have. Because, you know, if you think you're going to cook every single night of the week, but the reality is you're too tired after work, then that's not going to work for you. So be realistic with yourself. I like that. That's very important to remember. Now, one of the things that I find really adds up is the produce. Your fruits and vegetables, they're definitely necessary. (laughs) But is there some ways that we can save money when we're buying those? Yeah. And again, I think this is something that it's a habit that you have to build, learning how to use up your produce. But I would say for beginners, lean really heavily on that frozen fruits and vegetables, because those are not going to go bad if you don't use them right away. And they're already pre-chopped and everything. So you can kind of get in the habit of using them, tossing them into your soups and your, you know, your casseroles, your pasta dishes, and get used to using produce more without having 
it go limp in the back of your fridge and start Mm -hmm. smelling. Um, Another really key thing is focus on fruits and vegetables like in the fresh department that are sturdy. The sturdier the vegetable is, the less likely it's going to have a high price because if it's not spoiling really quickly in the grocery store, they don't lose as much money on it. So those are things like cabbage, onions, potatoes, celery, carrots, all these things that don't wilt very fast. If you use a lot of those, you're going to be able to get a lot of produce in your diet without spending a lot of money. That's a great tip as well. And probably one I hadn't really thought of before that the sturdier vegetables are the ones that obviously do last longer, but that they generally are cheaper or on sale more often. But you're right. That's probably because they can last forever and they don't need to hike up the price. Like, Get out of here. Yeah. And then, I mean, also um, don't focus so heavily on the really trendy superfoods. Those carry a high price tag because they're trendy. So Mm -hmm. if you stick to the basics, you know, the basic fruits and vegetables are still super healthy for you and have lots of antioxidants and fiber, just like the other ones do, but they might have have that label superfood, you know, and they don't have the price tag to go with it. I tend to try to avoid all those types of things. <laughs> Mostly yeah. because even if I did buy it, I, I again wouldn't have anything any idea what to do with it after I made the first recipe. <laughs> Whereas right. if I've got potatoes, I know what to do with those. Um, all right. So what are some good budget-friendly ingredients that you can keep stocked either in the fridge or the pantry that can help you put together some meals? more within budget. Yeah, I I like to stick to the stuff that um, is pantry stable. So these are going to be your dry goods or canned goods. So things like rice, pasta, and beans. Um, I use a lot of canned tomatoes because they're so versatile. Um, It's a really easy way to add another vegetable into your meal and they're great for bases of sauces. Um, And you can stick to whole grains and beans um, instead of having just like really starchy carb heavy meals you can make it healthy by picking your whole wheat pasta or your lentils and beans they're all super healthy but they're also the cheapest ingredients in the grocery store so I make those the base of my meal I can keep them on hand they're not going to go bad um, and just make sure my pantry is stocked with those and then like I mentioned earlier I also love to keep my freezer stocked with those frozen fruits and vegetables because again they're so convenient they don't go bad and they're really reasonably priced yes I have a pantry full of beans but <laughs> they're great to pull out when you do need a quick meal or you're right using them as a base to start off with they seem to go further than other things so that's great what about some ingredients that are cheaper to buy in bulk like I know sometimes you could buy something a small amount of something it's really expensive but if you buy a bit more it evens out are there any ingredients like that that we should focus on Um, so I think the ingredients that I tend to buy in larger quantities are going to be the more expensive things like meat and cheese. Um, so if I go to the store, instead of buying like one of those regular bags of cheese, that's about two bucks, you know, for a, I mean, a two cup bag of cheese, I'll, I'll find the bulk bag, which is like this huge eight cup bag of shredded cheese. And you can actually divide that up and then freeze them individually. And then you have them in your freezer. It's at least like a dollar less, um, than it would be to buy the four individual bags and same thing with things like chicken breast if you buy a huge they call them family packs here in the the u.s where it's like this massive package of meat you can divide that up and freeze it in smaller quantities so you can take one or two out as needed to thaw and use in your recipes um but i actually use bulk bins at the store in a different way i use those to buy small quantities of ingredients that i don't use very often so if something like a a nut that i don't use very often or dried fruit or even some spices that i don't 
don't want to buy a complete package of because I know I won't have another use for the rest of it. I'll just go buy a smaller amount from the bulk bin. That way I can get exactly what I need without having the leftovers. That's such good advice as well. Because you're right. Sometimes you buy like a whole bag of, I don't know, I'm just picking something out of the air, walnuts. And I might want to use them in muffins, but then I have no way to use them up. And (laughs) it seems wasteful then. So I love that idea of using the bulk bins in a different way of buying the smaller quantities as well. Now, you mentioned freezing cheese and I have my mind blown because I never freeze (laughs) cheese. I'm a bit of a novice freezer. Like I only just realized maybe six months ago that I could freeze like diced onion and use that Mm. in stir fries and scrambled eggs and everything. It was a revelation because now I put it in everything. (laughs) Well, what are some foods that we can freeze that are more outside of the box? So not your fruits and vegetables, but like the cheeses of the world that will help us save money and reduce waste. Yeah, seriously, if you're not freezing your cheese yet, you have to start now because it will save you so much money. Cheese is so expensive. Uh Um, So I also love to freeze tomato paste. I use that in small quantities in soups and sauces to kind of thicken things up, but they come in these really small cans here in the US. But even though it's a really small can, I only use like one tablespoon at a time. Mm -hmm. So I'll go ahead and portion out the rest of it, freeze it flat on a sheet, and then once those little portions are solid, I'll transfer them to a freezer bag. And then I can just pull out a tablespoon whenever I need it for a sauce and I'm good to go. I don't have to buy a brand new can every time. Um, I also love to freeze my bread and baked goods uh, because I don't eat a lot of bread or things like muffins and scones. So when I do buy them, I'll freeze them and then I can just take one or two out at a time and thaw it. And they, breads and baked goods free or uh, thaw really, really quickly. So um, that's really convenient. Um, I love to freeze whole citrus fruit, which is something that a lot of people don't know you can do. Mm -hmm. So fresh lemon and lime and oranges too, um, are a really amazing ingredient. They really liven up any recipe, the zest and the juice. But if you buy a single fruit, it's really expensive. But if you buy a whole bag of lemons, it's like a lot less expensive, but then you're stuck with a whole bag of lemons. You're like, what am I supposed to do with all these lemons? Make mm-hmm. lemonade or something. You know? <laughs> um, so you can actually freeze that fruit whole. You don't have to cut it or anything. And once it's frozen, it's really easy to zest. So that's a plus. And then once you let it thaw and you can actually thaw it in your microwave to make it a little bit faster, the way the um, inside breaks down makes it easier to juice. So if you like to use juice and zest in your recipes, you can keep that citrus in your freezer. It's not going to be pretty for slicing or making wedges for cocktails or anything like that, but it's uh, perfect for zesting and juicing. I have never heard of that before. This is a new one for me, but you're so right. I actually find it sometimes difficult to zest a lemon in general. So I can imagine once it's frozen, it would be kind of easier to do. Oh, mm-hmm. that's awesome. I never, ever, ever thought to do that before. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and my other favorite one is ginger root because I use fresh ginger in a lot of recipes. So I just stick the whole ginger root in the freezer, like in a freezer bag or something because you want to keep oxygen out. Um, um, and it grates really, really easily when it's frozen as well. You don't get those fibers clogging up your grater. Um, and then I just always have it on hand. It never gets soft and limp. It's just there when I need it. Perfectly fresh, easy to grate, and it's good to go. I'm glad that you said to put it in a freezer bag because I have often had a little bit of ginger root go 
soft and crappy in the bottom of the crisp bar because I didn't know what to do with it. I'm like, I think you can freeze it, but I probably would have just chucked it in the freezer straight away. So that's a good (laughs) distinction to have. That's so many awesome ideas about freezing the foods. And you're right, like things like cheese, I do often have to throw it out because it does go bad quickly. And I'm someone who doesn't use copious amounts of cheese. I do love my cheese, but not all of my Mm -hmm. recipes that I make need cheese. And so it's so good. Is there ways once we freeze the cheese, is it fine to use however, or is it best to cook it into recipes? Um, So there is a small texture difference with cheese once it's um, thawed out. And it's just that it's a little bit more crumbly. So you don't want to use it for slices, like say on a sandwich, but it's perfect for shredding or um, crumbling or anything like that. You don't necessarily have to cook with it. It's great just, you know, room temperature, but it just won't slice so well. Okay. Yeah, that's a good, good distinction to make. Awesome. Well, Beth, you've given me so many great ideas here. And I know that the listeners will be taking on some things as well. I'm sure not many people will know that you can freeze a whole lemon or lime. (laughs) Now, before you go, would you mind telling us where we can find you and find out some more details about cooking on a budget? Sure. My website is budgetbites.com and that's B-Y-T-E-S because it's online. (laughs) Um, And from there, you'll find links to all of my social media accounts and my mobile app and um, my book. So you can find everything from that one website. Awesome. Uh, Well, thank you so much. I've got my mind running with all of these ideas that I want to do now. But the first is I'm going to meal plan a bit better. (laughs) (laughs) Great. Practice makes perfect. (laughs) Yes. And I'm going to start small. I'm not going to go crazy first. (laughs) Thank you so much, Ben. All right, thank you. I had so much fun talking to Beth. I know the word budget can sometimes daunt people, but I think Beth's sensible approach to cooking on a budget makes it seem really doable. As I mentioned during the episode, I'm notorious for going to the supermarket several times a week, and this is one habit I really want to kick to the curb by trying to meal prep better like Beth suggested. For all the links we discussed in today's episode, head to cookitrealgood.com slash one. That's it from me. Have a wonderful week. And don't just cook, cook it real good.